Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1 Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. number three of the Rich Keefe show. And if you've been listening, you may have realized I am not Rich Keefe. You're not. I'm John Lyons alongside the one and only Mike Cadlick. We got Stiz behind the glass and we've spent a lot of time talking about why the Patriots stink, why the Celtics <laughs> will be great. Yep. But now I have another question, Mike, I want to answer. Why does no one want to be the Red Sox president of baseball operations? The 30,000 foot big view answer is... Even when you do the job, you still get fired. Well, it's it's crazy. You look at Dave Dombrowski. You bring him in here. He wins a title. He spends all your money because you got to win titles. And they fire him because he spent too much money. Hein Bloom comes in. He's the cheap guy. He's the he's the roster builder. He builds up the farm system. He doesn't spend money. He makes smart decisions, or so you think smart decisions. He does all of that. He does what he does to a T, and then you still fire him. So I don't know. Like I, whoever they bring in. How do they know that if they do what the ownership group asks them to do after two years, they're not going to fire them for a PR move just like they did with Bloom? Yeah, and I'm going to read you a list here, okay? okay. These are the people that have declined an yeah. interview. John or, Lyons and Mike Gatlin. Yeah, okay. John Lyons declined an interview. No, so <laughs> today, reports came out. Kim Ng, yep. who was my top choice. Sure. Or actually, my second choice behind Mike Hazen. She declined an interview. She was the GM of the Marlins. Yep. She won three World Series as an assistant with the Yankees. She also was, uh, worked with the Dodgers while Alex Cora was there. Really good executive. She declined an interview. She was my second choice. Sure. Mike Hazen, my top choice, by the way, from Abington, Massachusetts, the greatest town on the planet Earth. <laughs> Mike Hazen used the Red Sox interest to get an extension from Arizona. Sure. Arizona had another executive, Emil Sade, get an extension. Brandon Gomes from the Dodgers declined an interview. Sam Fold from the Phillies declined an interview. Derek Falvey, Michael Hill, John Daniels all declined an interview. Raquel, Raquel Ferreira, an internal candidate, yep. declined an interview. And James Click declined an interview. So by my count, that's what, 10 people who have either declined an interview outright or have used it as leverage to just get an extension where they are. And you're right. I mean, like, why would you not want to be GM or president of baseball operations, excuse me, of the Boston Red Sox? Well, in my opinion, Theo Epstein is the best baseball executive of all time. Sure. I also think Dave Dombrowski, especially if he wins a World Series this year, will be looked at as a top five, in my opinion and general opinion, as a top five baseball executive of all time. 100%. They've pushed both of them out yeah. in the last 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Like, Theo Epstein comes in. It's ridiculous. You haven't won a World Series in 86 years. Yep. He wins two, not one. (laughs) Two. He wins two, and it got so toxic at the end between him and Larry Lucchino and others, and the Red Sox chose Lucchino and others, but it got so toxic, Theo wanted to leave. You hire Ben Sherrington. He wins a World Series. (laughs) Yep, yep. You fire him. And I know when he got fired, it wasn't going great. Yeah, it was bad. He had won a World Series two years before. He was trying to fix it. A guy like that, I'd give him another year to fix it. Sure. You bring in Dave Dombrowski, who, by the way, won a World Series with the Marlins, Mm -hmm. got to two more World Series with the Tigers. He comes in. Not only does Dave Dombrowski win a World Series, Mike, he puts together the greatest team in the history of the Red Sox. You win 108 games, and then in the postseason, 
Your three series that you win against the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers, you beat three teams that won 100 games. Yep. No team ever before had beaten three teams that won 100 games in the playoffs. And none of them went to a final game, right? They were all within... None of them, yeah, none yeah. of them went to, so none like, of them even went even to game six. Right, they were The Yankees they were was a four-game series. Yep. That was a DS, so it didn't go to game five. Right. The Astros series was five games, yep. and the Dodgers series was five games. Crazy. You didn't even get to yeah. it a tied series. They plowed right through. And what do they do 10 months later, <laughs> Mike? I'm not even saying a year later, two nope. years. I'm talking they win the World Series in October. In freaking August the next year, <laughs> what do they do? They fire him. It's so bad. It really they is so bad. They fire him. And why do they fire him? Because he doesn't want to trade Mookie Betts. He doesn't want to trade Xander Bogarts, right. right? He wants to actually pay guys and be good. And I know the sale contract was bad, but that Nathan Avaldi contract was pretty good. Pretty damn a good. A Mookie Betts extension would have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. So would a Xander Bogarts extension. It'd still be good now, mm-hmm. by the way. Xander Bogarts finished the year hitting 280, right. you know, 15 homers. Pretty good season. Yeah, we'll Way it. better than what you had at shortstop. But they fire him. And then what do they do, Mike? They bring in Heim Bloom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Bluminati. He's got the answers. Yeah, right? <laughs> they bring in Heim Bloom to, quote, unquote, rebuild the farm system, which, by the way, this is a side tangent. Dave Dombrowski, not that bad with the farm system. Brian Bayo, yep. Jaron Duran, Tristan Casas, all Dombrowski guys. Mm-hmm. And he made the choice to trade Yohan Moncada for sale instead of Andrew Andrew Benatendi, who is a great contributor to a World Series team. So, Dombrowski, look, was Bloom better with the farm system? Did he rebuild it more? Of course he did. But Dombrowski wasn't like he sucked at that, right. which was kind of the reason we heard on the way out. But Bloom comes in. He builds you a bad major league roster. I, w- I won't deny that. But he does rebuild your farm system. Mm-hmm. He does cut payroll, which you asked him to do. Right. And when you're finally on the cusp of being willing to spend, which I think they will this offseason, what do you do? You fire him. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. In 12 years, you've gotten rid of, and when I and I put Theo Epstein in this because I think they kind of pushed him out, mm-hmm. but you've gotten rid of four GMs, three of them World Series champions after you didn't win one for 86 years. And, like, why would you want to be right. the president of baseball ops? And not only if you – like, Bloom's definitely telling all the nerds, hey, these guys suck to work for. Dombrowski's telling all the regular baseball people, hey, these guys suck to work for. And Theo Epstein, who is the most respected executive probably in baseball history, maybe him and Branch Rickey, right. is, if not bad-mouthing the Red Sox, he's definitely not saying good things about yeah, the Yeah, he's not telling you, oh, no, take the, take the interview. Yeah, so – I think this is a real problem, Mike. It is. Because whoever you hire right now, you know what this reminds me of? And, and I know we're crossing sports here. But when the Houston Texans hired David Culley, it yep. was like nobody wanted that job. Yep. They finally hired him. He actually he went 4-13, and but that was the year Deshaun Watson refused to play. Right. And out of their 13 losses, like four of them were one-possession games. Like they were reasonably respectable given what he was in. And they fired him anyway. Right. If you're the Red Sox, whoever you hire now, you almost kind of have to keep for five or six years because if you fire another guy, right. no one's going to want to work for you. And already we're talking about 10, maybe even more than 10 candidates that don't want to be the Red Sox president of baseball ops. I think that's embarrassing. Yeah, and you even think about the maybe if they do end up going to the plan B or really C that everyone has sort of talked about. Plan and, C, we're on like plan H. Yeah. Plan G. <laughs> yeah, no. Whatever. You're right, but so. Well, plan W. Yeah. The the Brad Stevens move and you uh you put Cora upstairs and you bring in a guy like Veritech to, you know, take over the, the managerial positions. Veritech I think is gonna take a uh, an interview with the, the Giants here. Yeah. Veritech's gonna go and interview with them. So even if that's your backup plan, you might not even have that guy. 
Gabe Kapler, it sounds like, might take a, an interview here. But By the way, he got fired as a manager. Right, and so now you're going to make him your president of baseball ops. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's an indictment on the organization. It's an indictment on the ownership, and I think I sit here and I wonder if this is the final sort of wake-up call for them to, to be like, you know what, look at, like you said, you bring in a guy and you let him ride it out five or six years, build up your farm system, build up a major league roster, work with Alex Cora, make sure Cora's on board with it, and roll from there and sort of and sort of get this thing going. Because this is really, I mean, I thought Bloom was their last chance, but I think right here is truly their last chance to try and like put this thing and steer it in the right direction, at least from a front office perspective, and get some sort of stability up there. Yeah, and the problem is, though, all the good candidates, right. I just listed them off, yeah. and they don't want to come here. And All right, if you put Cora there, I actually think he would do an okay job. So do I. But then, right, does Veritech want to leave? So right. then do you want to turn around and hire Gabe Kapler as your manager? Like, okay, maybe. Right. But That would be his, what, third team in five years even, or something, right? Even then, you still have the problem of what if Cora, you promote him and he's bad at the job? And right. I don't think he will be. What, what's he, you have to keep this guy. Right. Like, you're in a position where you can't keep firing. Exa- they would be so much better off right now if they had just kept Dave Dombrowski. Oh, yeah. They might even be better off if they had kept Ben Sherrington, but I could understand why they fired him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they kept Dave, I mean, where's Dave Dombrowski right now? Right. NLCS, baby. Yeah. Probably going to go to the World Series. Yeah. At a minimum, though, NLCS. And let's look at and the And building Phillies. a dominant Phillies team. Right. He comes to the Phillies. First year, they missed the playoffs by one game. Second year in the World Series. Right now, favorite to win the World Series. Yep. And the Detroit Tigers, they were a nobody. Goes there, they go to two World Series. Yep. The Marlins, first World Series in franchise history. And for someone that was so bad at developing players, six years later when he wasn't there, they won another one, Right. by the way. So, look, and and I know we can lament them firing Dombrowski for probably three whole hours on the show, but I think they're in a really bad spot right now. And the thing that's sad for me or frustrating for me or that really angers me is yeah. they could be in a much better spot. If they had just kept Bloom and we were going into this offseason saying, hey, they have all these prospects who are pretty good, if Bloom just spends – and is willing to trade one or two, you could be a World Series contender next year. You had a top 10 offense in baseball yep. for most of last year. What killed you? Your defense sucked, and your starting pitchers couldn't pitch more than four innings on a consistent basis. If you add two starters, which, honestly, you could just do with money. I mean, we saw them do with David yeah, Price right. and Chris Sale. Right? Like, just you And know. you're the Boston Red Sox. You have the money. Yes. Yeah. You can spend, 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 spend in this league. Like, just do it. Yeah. I No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And if you had just kept time bloom, and you go into this offseason, and let's say this offseason he didn't spend or he messed up trades, then you could look yeah. and say, hey, we fired him because he did what we asked and he messed it up. right? But now he did what you asked for the most part, and he just let it go. On the text right. line here, John, uh, I heard the reason Rich Keefe isn't working tonight is because he's interviewing for the Red Sox job. You know what? <laughs> I think we cracked the case. I think, well, Keefe, I'm surprised he didn't turn him down. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, know, I, I, I don't know. But, and actually... The next text, I think, actually brings up a good point. Yeah. Texter from the 774. Nobody wants to be president of baseball operations because the Red Sox won't let them bring in their own people. And I think that's another part. Yeah. Right? And any coach, any executive, when they go to a new situation, they're going to want to bring in their own people. So now, not only do we have the stigma of you can win a World Series and they'll fire you a year later, which sucks, but yep. it's true, but also... Hey, you're going to come in, and even if you hate Alex Cora, he's your manager this year. Yep. And even if you don't like our scouting department, they're your scouts. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't like our assistant GMs, they're your assistant GMs. Like, if you're Kim Ng or you're Mike Hazen, right. you've built a great infrastructure in Florida and Arizona, respectfully. 
you probably have some people you want to keep, but some people you want to bring in. Like if you, if you told, let's just pick a name off the list, Brandon Gomes, Dodgers mm-hmm. GM. Maybe Brandon Gomes thought, wow, I would like Gabe Kapler to be my manager there. But you know going in, it has to be Alex Cora. Yeah. So, uh, and maybe they view it as a lame duck thing as, oh, I'll be the president for one year, then Cora's manager contract's up and he's going to take my job. Right, right, like, right, that's, right. So, and, and again, I think Alex, Alex Cora's a pretty good manager. I think he's overrated because all the fundamental mistakes this year he seemed to skate by and yeah, everybody yeah, blamed yeah. Bloom. I think he's a good manager, though. But I agree. the fact that if you're a coach or you're an executive coming in and you're told you have to keep the staff, that's a huge deterrent, especially for these, like, Mike Hazen, seasoned good executive. Kimming, seasoned good executive. Brandon Gomes, Samfold. These are people that have more than earned the right to come in and pick who works. Oh for yeah, them. for sure. And, and really anybody does, but especially these folks who are seasoned, well known, well respected executives. And I'm sure those are the phone calls they're having. Is okay, and that's why they're turning them down. They they reach out, they ask for an interview, they say, well, what are the parameters and what does this job look like? And they say, well, we want to keep our guys here, and you have to keep core and all that. And then at that point, they say, yeah, sorry, I don't want it. Like it's it's yeah. that simple. Yeah, and maybe Rich Keefe is having a good interview tonight for that Red Sox President Baseball Operations job. I'm sure we'll find out on Monday when he's back. We will be right back next segment after Trending with Stiz. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now. The Bruins are now 3-0 after beating the Sharks in San Jose during their first road trip. The Bruins will stay on the road to take on the Kings tomorrow night. Puck drop. At 10.30 p.m., the Celtics won their final preseason game last night in Charlotte against the Hornets, 127-99. Jalen Brown had 20 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. Celtics' regular season starts on Wednesday. They'll be in New York taking on the Knicks, tip-off at 7 p.m. And the Patriots take on the Bills on Sunday at Gillette Stadium, kickoff at 1 p.m. Three Patriots players have been listed as out. Those players are Riley Reef, Josh Uche, and Keon White. Another 16 players listed as questionable. Some of those names include Trent Brown, Hunter Henry, David Andrews, Jonathan Jones, and Ramondre Stevenson. Mac Jones spoke with the media earlier about trusting the process. Uh, when you think about like trying to make plays, you usually don't. And I think that's important. I think you have to operate within the system, within yourself as a quarterback. And um, those things will come you know, when you do the process right. But if you're not doing the process right, then you won't get the result. And some playoff baseball happening tonight. Philly will take on the Diamondbacks tonight at 8.05. Philly currently leads that series 2-1. And the battle for Texas is underway right now. Very exciting. The Rangers were up 4-2 in the bottom of the ninth until Altuve got up there and hit a three-run blast. It is now Houston up 5-4 in the top of the ninth. The Rangers currently have two men on deck, no outs. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keefe Show coming up. It's the Rich Keefe Show on WEI. Boston Sports Original. Welcome back in to the Rich Keefe Show. I'm John Lyons filling in alongside alongside Mike Hadlick. See, Mike, it's hour number three. It is. Stumble over my words. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. someone on the text line is going to be like, how did this guy get a job in radio? Yeah. He sucks. Where's Keefe? Yeah, we actually have gotten quite a... Keefe, if you're listening, Keefe, which I know you're not, <laughs> but if you're listening, Keefe, 
You have this cult following, which oh, yeah. I think is pretty impressive. We've had quite a few Twitch people, quite a few text people say, where's Keith? What's going on with Keith? I even had somebody tweet at me, what's going on with Keith? Where's Keith? So, Keith, credit to you. He'll be back. Built a cult following. We still have a couple uh, folks on the phone lines. Feel free to join us on the show, 617-779-7937. We'll be taking you up till 9 o'clock. We're going to start with Daryl in Florida. Daryl, welcome on the air. You want to talk about Bill Belichick? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually Republican presidential candidate Daryl Constantine calling to lend my support to Bill Belichick. All right. And uh, to really call out to Patriots fans across the nation and really to educate a lot of people, because the record on Bill Belichick really has been misrepresented. And if this is, in fact, going to be his last season, I think that we owe a lot more respect to the greatest coach in the history of sports. Um, And I think we've really got to go back really to the beginning of this whole question about, you know, who made who and great for Tom going off and winning a Super Bowl. But that doesn't retroactively change the history. That doesn't change what happened in the first 20 years. Okay, reality is Tom Brady's rookie season, he threw 18 touchdown passes against 12 interceptions. This wasn't Patrick Mahomes coming in and throwing 50 bombs out of the gate. All right, Tom Brady was a game manager, and he was an integral piece of a great team and a team that was a organizational structure that Bill Belichick brought in. And he was a very special piece of that. And he, he gravitated and, and grew and developed into certainly an elite top five quarterback for the latter half of his career. But, you know, this now going back and retroactively stripping Bill Belichick of all of his accomplishments and insulting him along the way out the door is just is really appalling. And I know that there's a lot of young kids out there that maybe weren't there for the first three Super Bowls, but anybody my age or older, really shame on these guys. And Tom Curran talking about, you know, keeping Mac Jones and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, talking about throwing out the greatest coach in the history of sports, but keeping Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the baby. I was telling people all all offseason because – I didn't hear a single conversation about Mac Jones' performance last year that didn't include Matt Patricia. Did not hear his name brought up a single time. So I said, well, you know what? Great. I'm looking forward to the 25 and 10, 4,300-yard Mac Jones because I saw a guy that was throwing the ball at the wrong team. And I've never been behind center on a high level like that. But, you know, at a certain point, Patriots fans have to recognize that they've actually got more loyalty to a kid who came in and threw a couple play action passes in his rookie season saying that he led us to a 10 and seven season. I didn't see a guy leading us there. I saw a defense that was scoring more points than the opponent. Thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. And look, I I think he brings up a great point again. Thanks for the call all the way down in Florida. When we look back on this in three, five, 15 years, I think people will appreciate what Belichick meant to this team. I just sure. think a lot of people are angry right now because the Patriots aren't the dynasty anymore. And I also don't think there's a there's that many people that, you know, Daryl tried to mention that hate Bill Belichick and love Mac Jones. I think, no, it's, I, think that, I think people hate both. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think it's both. I think, okay, Bill Bill ruined Mac, and it's Bill's fault, and because he ruined Mac, Mac sucks. And at this point, they're both gone, and they're both you know off the reservation in Patriots fans' mind. And I think that's okay, because that's sort of what happened, like what has happened here. I, I don't think it's – and I get Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and he won six Super Bowls. I get all that. But at what point does that not matter anymore? Because eventually, 
that sort of leash you have because of the career you built up and the you know the uh, the resume you've built up, that leash eventually you know falls short. And I think we're already at that point. Well, and I think all right, Bill built up a crap ton of goodwill, of course, for years. Yep. I think that got expended in two things: letting Brady walk. Yep. And the Matt Patricia Joe Judge offense. I agree. I think those two things. And think about it, a lot of coaches. If you let a quarterback leave and he wins a Super Bowl somewhere else while you miss the playoffs, they would get fired. Right. A lot of coaches, you put two non-offensive coaches in charge of your offense and miss the playoffs, you'd get fired. What happened in the last, sorry to cut you off, John, what happened in the last 18 months with the Patriots, whether it, and from the beginning of last season with the Matt Patricia experiment and the Joe Judd experiment through these last three games, three games losses in a row. 31 head coaches would have gotten fired by now. Yeah, and I'm I fully think, convinced. And I think that's the thing. Is right. like the goodwill he built up. That's the goodwill. Saved his job in right. two places that probably no other coach would get their job saved. Correct. So now, like we're finally talking about him and his job the way 31 other organizations would have talked about right. him last year yep. or after Brady, right? So I, I think he and maybe he he recovered a little bit of that Brady goodwill. When Mac Jones had a good rookie year. Right, when they went to the playoffs. But then it was yep. all gone yep. last year. So I think they that, had all that to build off of, and then they haven't built off yeah. it since. And that's the point, I think, of the goodwill. But I, look, I think there is a segment of people, and part of this is there's like just whiny Patriots fans that you know didn't start watching until 2007, yeah. who just don't appreciate how integral he was to their success. And I don't think they will for five more right. you know, It'll be five years after he's gone. But that doesn't also change the fact that they have a bad roster. Right. Like, it's okay to appreciate it and also realize that maybe, you know, it's time to move on. Yeah. Like, his game plan in the first half of the 2018 AFC Championship game is, like, one of my favorites ever. Right. Doesn't change the fact they have a bad roster. Exactly. Like, it doesn't change it. Right. Um, The trade deadline is coming up, and we're going to get to this earlier, but we just so much fun talking about their drafts or lack thereof in the last few years. So I do want to get to the trade deadline, and you wrote a piece for WEI.com about, candidates to be traded so I just want to yeah. take a look at that Mike and, and what are we thinking as the trade deadline approaches yeah so um one of the so it was uh, my Tuesday morning column and it was all about the Patriots being one in five and um what you can still look forward to in this season because um you know there there is college football on you can't look forward to the NFL draft and you can look forward to uh some young guys playing and you can also look forward to the trade deadline which is October 31st it's Tuesday October 31st Halloween Stiz's favorite holiday at 4 p.m. um and the Patriots can be buyers or they can be sellers and I think at one in five they're not going to be buyers they'll be sellers so what sellers would mean here is contract year players guys who you don't think you're going to re-sign this offseason or guys who you think you can grab um, some value for you start to trade them and so John, let's go through. I'm not going to go through everyone because they have a lot of guys that have expiring contracts this year, but a lot of them doesn't. It doesn't really make sense or doesn't really matter for them to trade guys like a Cody Davis, uh, Matthew Slater, Mac Wilson. Like those guys aren't going to get you anything on the market, so we're going to avoid those. But we'll go through the impact or the pseudo impact players that are in contract years. If we should trade them, if we should keep it, or if we should extend them, we'll start with and we'll go by how much they're paid and I guess what they mean to the team. Hunter Henry, number one, three year deal. He signed. Three years ago, he's a team captain. He's in the last year of his contract. What should we do? Do we buy, sell, trade? What do you so, think? if you can get like a second round pick, I'd I'd sell. Otherwise, I would keep him around because I think whoever's quarterback next year, you're going to want a good, right. reliable tight end. So, I'd actually want him around next year. Just whether it's Mac Jones or Drake May, I think for you want a reliable tight end there. So, but 
You can get a second round pick. I would move on. I think so too. And I think you also look, I look at it and I, I might weigh too heavily on this, but like he's a captain. He was voted on yeah. by his players and obviously by the coaches as a guy who they want to lead the team in a contract year. I thought that's interesting too. feel like I felt like he was going to be an extension candidate before the season. They obviously haven't moved on it yet, but I don't think they're going to move on him. And I think that that's a guy who I would much rather extend than trade Kendrick Bourne. I, I would keep him. Yeah. And because a is affordable. B, he's your only, I mean, Demario Douglas is a good receiver, but he's your only good, yeah. consistently healthy one. And he's actually one of those guys in a locker room that's going bad, you want around. I think he's a, maybe not a captain, yeah. he's a real leader. And he's a productive enough player. And again, if Kenrick Bourne's in an offense where he's the third option or the fourth option, right. you have a damn good offense. Yeah. So, And I don't think you're going to get anything for him, really, too. Like, you'll get like a sixth or seventh round pick. So I, I would keep Kendrick Bourne for that reason. I think that he could command a little bit more, maybe a fifth, maybe even a fourth, depending on the team. That, the team that's desperate enough to, like you said, add a third or fourth option. Yeah. Um, or even like the Kansas City Chiefs, a team who doesn't really have anything behind Travis Kelsey. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what He'd they would. He'd be a great fit there. Yeah, he would. Um, but again, a guy who you mentioned it. You know, leader says all the right things. Even after a year last year where he was in the Belichick doghouse, in the Matt Patricia doghouse, came back this year with the right attitude, is playing a lot more and having, you know, one of his better seasons. I think that's a guy I would much rather see them keep than yeah. obviously trade and not not just keep throughout the year and then let him walk in free agency. You got to extend this guy. Yeah. You got to keep him around. And the thing about Henry and Bourne, they're both still in their mid-20s. Right. Like, that's the difference, yeah. too. All right. Let's move on to uh, Josh Uche. I would trade him. Yeah. Yeah, because A, I don't That's think... That's the one I feel like everyone's talking about. Well, and move on, here's so. the thing. I think it'd be a massive contract to extend him. He only had one really great half of a season last year, and he's been okay this year. But I also think, like, you drafted Keon White in the second round this right. year. And I think Keon White Felt like that was the writing on the wall for yeah, him. Yeah, Keon White, to me, could end up being a better player than Josh Uche in the wrong, long term. And look, if Uche decides to take a discount or he's affordable, fine. I'd rather trade him. And I think, given the value of pass rushers, especially in the playoffs, you could probably get a... Maybe a third-round pick, like decent type right. all for him. And that's a guy, too, who was so successful last season behind Matthew Judon as the number two. Now he's the number one. Not only is he hurt, but he hasn't been you know great this season. So um, if his value is depreciating on the open market, I think that's a guy who could go into... Yeah, I don't. Uh, Kansas City. I don't even want to say San Francisco because they're already loaded with pass rushers. But be that number two yeah. on a contending team and really make a difference. All right, couple more here. Um, Kyle Duggar. I would extend him, actually. Yeah. I would keep him around because I think he's, well, again, one of those four impact players I listed yep. that you drafted, you developed at a premium position, safety, right? Important, can play multiple levels at safety. I would extend him. I would not only not sell him, I would extend yeah, him. Yeah, extend him, keep him around, I agree. That's a guy who I think um, Belichick sort of rests on as like, we picked this guy out of Lenore Ryan, made him a, a valuable player, a valuable piece on an NFL team doesn't want to let him go for, for anything, want to keep him around and be like, no, this is a Patriot who we found in the draft. Yeah. Um, all right, Trent Brown. I mean, I would keep him unless yeah. someone wants to get stupid right. because he's the only good offensive lineman you have. Yep. He's the only real serviceable even left tackle you have. So I, I would keep him. I wouldn't necessarily extend him after the year. Like, I look at the 2024 Patriots as probably needing two new tackles. Yeah. Like that's and, and any move, like this is a philosophical thing for me. Any move the Patriots make at this deadline, I want to be with eyes on 2024. Mm -hmm. So if that's selling Uche and you get a third or fourth round pick, if that's selling someone else and you get a decent draft pick, or even if it's you acquire Jerry Judy, yeah. who you can keep around, or you acquire Justin Jefferson, who you can keep around, right. or, and I know offensive linemen don't really get traded, but let's say a really good tackle becomes available that you're going to keep for multiple years. Right. Like, that's what I don't want them 
trading for anyone that only has this year left on their deal. 100%. And I don't want them selling anyone that could be a 2024 piece. That's why I said yes to Uche, no for Duggar. Like, and I would even probably say no for Mike Onwenu because I would like him here in 2024. Yeah. But any deal they make, I think they need to have an eye on 2024. I agree. That that was going to be my next one, Mike Onwenu. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if, like, I, what are you going to get for him? I, that's what Sixth, I mean. Sixth, like, yeah. keep, I'd rather keep him around, pay him, and now at least you have one offensive line spot. And I know he's played bad this year, but fully healthy next year, one offensive yeah. line spot, solid. Yep. And then uh, the last piece I wanted to just get at with the trade deadline, you already sort of mentioned, but Jerry Judy, a guy who yeah. it's not a rental. Like, he's under team control for another year. You can bring him here. You can extend him. That's not really, to me, being a buyer. That's being more of, like you said, a forward thinker into yeah. the coming season. Even though you're 1-5, in five, trading for a guy like Jerry Judy, who, if it works for some reason here with Mac Jones and you do end up with Mac Jones again next season, a guy we play, he played with in college, a guy who's a playmaker, a separator, all that stuff. And if you do end up moving on from Mac Jones, you keep Judy here, you bring it, you keep Henry here as well, and you have two guys who can be security blankets and like a top-tier wide receiver for the next quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, and Justin Jefferson's kind of my white whale in that. Yeah. Like, I would give up two first-round picks for him. But, like, again, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, I think, is another example. Yeah. I think Judy's a better player. Yeah. But Younger, more potential. Guys but. that you know are going to be here multiple years. And I'd say the same thing about if they trade for some sort of offensive lineup. Like, guys you know are going to be here for multiple years because I think they're at the point now where if you add a rental, I think it's just stupid business. Like yeah. if you add anyone and you can still like the best rental, they are not the, well, I guess maybe the best rental, they like a keep to leave in 2012, you trade for him. He comes back from injury and he changes the way your defense plays. You go right. to the AFC championship game two years in a row. Like I don't see a guy like that being available for them. That's going to totally transform the way they play offense. Exactly. But a guy like Jerry Judy could be a legitimate piece to help your 2023, but also your 2024 offense be really good. Right. I'm with you. Want to go? We got Mike in New Hampshire on the line. Wants to talk some of that Brady money Belichick stuff. Mike, welcome into the program. Uh, thank you, guys. Great show. Before I make my my point, um, I'm kind of tired of people saying that Trent Brown is our best offensive lineman. I swear to you. As a football coach for years, I watch him play after play. He's average at best. And that may be on him being lazy. But I want to get to my bigger point. My bigger point is this. I actually hate the Belichick versus Brady, who was the more important piece, argument. But I will say this. Uh, We had a great quarterback for 20 years, a really great quarterback, that probably could have made $30 million a year. But he mostly paid, played excuse me, for under 10. Uh, the person who benefited the most was Coach Bill Belichick, General Manager Bill Belichick, because year after year he was saving over $20 million by not having to pay Tom, who was taking the hometown discount, and Bill was spreading that money around to make the team viable, to make it a winning team, and in most cases a Super Bowl contender. So Tom being as great as he was on the field was even greater to the franchise economically. Thanks for the call, Mike. I would agree. Like, I think that's a huge part of it. And the other piece is you're not going to have that again, Mike. Like, so if Mac Jones works out, which it doesn't look like he will, that's going to be expensive. But let's say you draft Drake May. That's going to be great for five years. Then that's going to get really expensive. Like, I think Tom Brady 
was a unique type guy where he would take less money so they could, you know, extend guys like Randy Moss or extend guys like Rob Gronkowski or sign Roosevelt Colvin. Like, he would take less money, and I commend him for that. I think that should be on his Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. Like, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. The thing but I, I, I just, that's not going to happen right. again now. And that's why I think, Mike, it's so important you get it right with quarterback. Like, if Mac Jones recovers or if you draft Drake May or Caleb Williams, it's so crucial that you get it right. Yeah, and to Mike's point about the offensive line, too, Trent Brown is their best offensive lineman, and he is average. And yeah. that tells you exactly what you need to know yeah. about the offensive line. No, and, and I would agree. Like, he is maybe their best offensive lineman, and he's average. Right, like, right. Like, he's average and their best. Like, both things can be true. Exactly. Like, you can tell me Trent Brown was awful against the Saints, but he was their best offensive lineman the first three weeks of the right, year. Right, right. So it's like you average it out. Like, yeah, yeah he's average. But, yeah. And that's the thing, too. Where, like, when you come to the trade deadline, like, if you can trade Josh Uche, like, I, again, I would keep Bourne, I would keep Duggar, I'd keep on Wenu, but some of these, and Hunter Henry, too, but, like, if somebody thinks Mike Gesicki can be a piece of their yeah, offense, I and I was a big Gesicki believer before, or somebody wants to give you a seventh-round pick for Devontae Parker, like, see Oh, get later. rid of that contract yeah. in a heartbeat. Anyway, Absolutely. I, I would consider just cutting the player, yeah, I mean, I after know. what we've seen. But, yeah, right, if somebody wants to give you that, like, fine. Like, if somebody wants to give you a late-round pick for, you know, one of your five safeties not named Kyle Duggar. Like, like Jalen Mills. Jalen yeah. Mills contract here. Jalen Mills, another guy. Like, I, any move they make, again, I think they need to have an eye on 2024 because even if they pull off a miracle, mm-hmm. they make the playoffs, which would be not kind of a miracle happen, at this point. <laughs> they're not – they can't hang with no. those legit big dogs. Nope. Like, they, they can't. Right. So – and they're going to miss – and look at their own division. Buffalo is going to be good for years. Yep. Miami is probably going to be good for years. The Jets look like they're going to be good for years. Yeah. So you need to really have a big time off. Like this 2024 offseason is crucial for two teams in Boston, the Red Sox and the Patriots. Yeah. Because you're at a point where. And they where both have the money to do it. They both have the money to do it. Will they make the moves to do it? I right. think this is a crucial. The next three months for the Red Sox and then the first three months after the season for the Patriots. I don't want to say like the most important in franchise history, but franchise altering yeah, type yeah, off sure. seasons, and I think we're going to have one of those for the Patriots. You think coming they're going to make a move at the deadline. Yeah, I I could see them like trading Anuche. Yeah, I could see them maybe adding like some lower tier roster. Like I, I I would be surprised if they traded for Jerry Judy. Yeah, I agree. like which is the move we all want. Right. I just and even their deadline moves in the past, like I mentioned, Akeem Talib. But Tampa didn't want him anymore. Right. Like, Akeem Ayers was a guy off kind of the scrap people. Ended up being good for yeah, them. Yeah, he was like, pretty good. Like, a lot of their trade deadline moves are for those extra pieces that maybe will put you over the top, but there's some issue with or there's some issue with their team. So right. I just, I don't see them making a big move. But I could see in the offseason yeah. multiple big moves because right. I think they know they have a lot yeah, they to do. do. We have our final segment of the show coming up, and we're going to introduce the people to something called Catholic Pizza Fridays. Oh, boy which I'm very excited about. The pizza world is very excited about. And we're going to do that right after this break. It's the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. WEEI. Watch us, love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. Uh, Cop the BMW. New deposit, I picked up another bag like... I'm a count while I'm in it. I have planes flying crowds, screaming money, counter chains clink. I guess that's how it sound when you win it. I ain't joking, do it sound like I'm kidding. I've been making like two. We're gonna let this one ride. Yeah, let's go. So you let lions on the radio at 8:45. You get a little polo G. Finally, I'll take it. 
Welcome back in to the Rich Keefe Show. It's John Lyons alongside Mike Cadlick. And Mike, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, this is good. This was fun. We've known each other. We've done some podcasts together. Yep. But we haven't really done a show like this together. It was a pleasure, Mike. I was going to say, we've only done, what, maybe 45 minutes max together? Probably. So to do it- with, with phone hits and whatnot. Yeah. yeah probably 45 so. minutes max. Nice little mascac takeover. Yeah. Hope we get the chance to do it again. Oh, we will. We'll Keith, feel free to interview for the Red Sox president of baseball <laughs> ops job anytime. Take nights off yeah. as much as you would like. But today's Friday. It is. Mike Cadlick is here. He is. And for the uneducated, <laughs> Mike Cadlick has this phenomenon, if we'll call it. Sure. This, uh, he's like an influencer. <laughs> it's called Pizza Fridays. It is. So, Mike, explain to us what Pizza Fridays are. So, all right. If you follow me on Twitter, at Mike Cadlick, you'll see um, just about every Friday, ironically, when the Pizza Friday uh, segment on the Rich Keefe show comes out today, I had pasta for dinner. But nonetheless. Yeah. Don't ruin my narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's yeah. it's most Fridays um, at the Cadlick household, wherever I wherever I may be for, for pizza, for dinner on Fridays, you go with pizza. It's easy. It's the end of the week. You order one. You make one. You don't have to do much thinking. You don't have to do much cooking. You just make a pizza. You have a pizza. So I think I've been doing this even... Since I was a little kid, most Fridays, it's pizza. And so I town spot pizza, no free ads, um, in in Stoughton, Massachusetts. They have the best bar pizza around. Okay. And so they have a pickle pizza that I love. It's it's delicious. Uh, that's where I really found out about it. I tried it because I love pickles. Um, and one time I tweeted out a picture of it. And I think it was actually a Saturday which started it, which is funny, ironically enough. Um, and Twitter went crazy. Everyone's saying, what the hell are you doing? What the heck is this? Why are you, you know, what are you doing putting pickles on pizza? That's not supposed to be there. And so ever since then, Pizza Fridays, I, I tweet out the pizza I have. And sometimes it's chicken Caesar salad pizza. Ooh. Sometimes it's pepperoni pizza. Sometimes okay. it's, you know, chicken bacon ranch, whatever you want to call it. So sometimes they're good and sometimes they're obscure. But yeah, pizza guy love pizza. So I've sort of uh, rode this one up. So you say town spa is the best around. I think so. So I'm a big Christos to go guy okay. in Whitman. So Christos started out as a restaurant in Brockton, City of Champions, of course. Sure. <laughs> and they closed the restaurant, but they moved just to go orders, thankfully, to Whitman. And I am a huge Christos pizza fan. So okay. if you haven't had Christos, I'm not saying it's better than Town Spa. You might like Town yep. Spa better, but I'm a huge Christos guy. I'm also a very plain guy, though. Okay. Like I eat cheese pizza, sure. sausage pizza, pepperoni pizza. When, when you mentioned pickle pizza, I've seen it. Yeah. Do you I like get, pickles? No. Okay, well, that's that's too healthy like for me. They're yeah. green. They might have like it's like a vegetable or fruit. I can't. Have that. It's too healthy. For Stiz, me. what about you? Disgusting. Have you had? Thank it? you, Stiz. No. I, yeah, okay. Exactly. I cannot stand pickles, but I will okay. say I had no idea that bar pizza was a thing until until I started working uh, at the radio station with Greg Hill. Okay. I had no idea because I'm a North Shore guy, and bar pizzas aren't a thing on right. the North Shore. And in fact, I just had my first uh, bar pizza experience over this summer. And what'd you think? I, in Marshfield. Yeah, where I, was I it? Liked yeah, it. where in Marshfield? I, v- Venus? Oh, yeah, okay. the Venus. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Good, good pizza yeah. down there. Yep. That's was, a good one to start with. Yeah, yeah. it was really good, but I'm dying to try Town Spa. You got to. I am dying to try yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. That's stuff. a great one. My favorite, I had I, I had it last night, actually, Santarpio's in East Boston. Oh, uh, that's a good one. That's one I've actually yeah. never had. So Santarpio. I had that. Okay, I might have to, I might have to get you yeah. one. I had that probably 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah, probably 15 years ago, I had Santarpio's and it was electric. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't been back since. I mean, I don't live near Boston, but it was great. But I'll tell you, you got to get down on the South Shore, Stiz, a.k.a. Yeah. the Best Shore. you got to get down there because not only do we have, you know, we have Town Spa, we have Christos, but you go to any bar and you yeah. get a pretty good bar pizza. That's why they call it that. 
Well, well we my ha- spot JP Ryan's in Abington. We yeah, have roast beef. Pizza. Yeah, you, you got guys the beef do not. Yeah, yeah, that's, we yeah, have roast beef. Yeah. So my thing with um, with you know bar pizzas and pizzas in general, I've sort of developed this theory that, and I love pizza as as you know from from Twitter and as this conversation. In the but, last three minutes. Yeah, exactly. There, there is no bad pizza. There's only better pizza, in my okay. opinion. So like even like a a. DiGiorno or like a microwave pizza or like a, a cafeteria piece of pizza like it's still edible I'll still eat it obviously eat it. there's better pizza but I don't think there's ever like a bad slice of pizza 100% but you guys agree well, with that well I mean maybe a pickle pizza would be yeah, but that's slice. different because that, like that's like if you don't like the toppings or something okay yeah so like, like call it cheese slice, yeah okay yeah I would agree slice with of that cheese. I, I would agree with that okay. yeah bar I stiz I can't believe you didn't have bar pizza till like this summer yeah, no, because I'm telling you, on the North Shore, that is not a thing. I never heard. So, what the do you guys do? You guys just eat huge pizza. roast beef sandwiches? Yeah, all the time? yeah we get like roast that. beef pizza. Are you yeah. like roast beef yeah. Fridays? Like, ooh, no, I guess like... we just have like regular pizza. I just didn't know bar pizza was a oh, thing. The best thing about a bar pizza is I can eat a whole one and not feel bad about oh, myself. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, maybe a little, but I really won't feel like that fat right. if so I eat a whole bar is pizza. Is that a characteristic of bar So I noticed it was like small slices. 12 inches. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like a 12-inch thing. Yep. Is it the pan? Like what constitutes a bar pizza? I think it's pan? I think it's the size in the pan and sort yeah. of that like yeah. that yeah, that And they don't have like big crusts either. Right, right. Like you know some like, like there's not yeah, like yeah. filled crusts. There's not huge like every bar pizza either has like the burnt ends yeah. or just like Christos does like a little bit of crust, like just yeah. enough so you get a crust. Yep. And I think that, and it's great food to eat like in any, like anywhere you are. What I mean by that is like, if I have a piece of Papa Gino's pizza, which is big, I can't really like just eat that anywhere. Yeah. Like I got to sit down and eat it. Bar pizza, I can be standing up talking to somebody, have a little slice, yep. like it's great. That's right. You got to come down to the South Shore more stiz. Yeah. We got to start calling you South Shore stiz. Yeah. Get <laughs> yeah, you down you there. Yeah, some more bar as pizza. a North Shore kid, I never ventured south. Like, never. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I never really went to the North Shore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I checked out Marshfield for the first time this summer, and I, I loved it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Marshfield's yeah. a good spot. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Lou Merloni is in Marshfield quite a bit. W-E-I's Lou Merloni. Okay. Just putting him on blast there. Yeah. But I think one of my <laughs> friends was Go to Marshfield met him at a coffee Lou. shop yeah. once. He's <laughs> like, I met that? Lou at a coffee shop. Yeah. But no, I, Marshfield's solid, and they got good pizza there. So South Shore, so Cadillac Pizza Fridays. Yeah, has been check a them out. Family tradition. You got to check it out on Twitter. Cadillac every Friday. Hopefully not pickles every Friday. No, might I got to get down there soon. I almost picked up Townsville on the way home from Gillette today. But. Mike, last thing. Yeah. We haven't talked that much about this, but the Patriots do play on Sunday. They do. And speaking of that, football Sundays, ten a.m. Mike Cadillac yep. will be on during the show, but ten a.m. to one p.m. football Sundays. They got a chance to win this game. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. I hate to say. I don't think so. Score. Uh. 31-10 Buffalo. Ooh. Not a good one. I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah, you're better off having some yeah. bar pizza instead. But, hey, it was a pleasure. Yeah, he is Mike stuff. Cadillac. Stiz behind the glass. Does a tremendous job. As always, I'm John Lyons. It was a pleasure filling in for Keith. And don't worry, all you Keith fans, he'll be back soon. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. I tried it because I love pickles.